in September of this year, we sent a team over to Iraq to do exploring to see how we could help the displaced people who are being pushed out by ISIS. And you're fully aware of that. You supported it. Um, you gave. You sacrificed. And then in February, we sent two other teams, January, February, two other teams back to secure some apartment housing for those that have been displaced. And, and so as a result of your giving and sacrifice, there literally are people living in homes there in Iraq, and we, or Bill, we've been back, we went to their, stayed in the apartment complex, we sat in their small groups, we worshiped with them at the church that's connected with them, Pastor Malat, the, the, the church there in Alliance Church in Erbil, and truly it is an amazing work of God. We're seeing people come to Christ, we're seeing people's faith be strengthened, and, we, and you gave them a place to live. And so we've been keeping in contact with them, and uh, Friday I was able to do a Skype call uh, with video call with Pastor Maloth, and we recorded this Skype call, a portion of it, to ask him, how are things going? And so you're about to see a Skype video call. If you've ever done a Skype call, you realize the audio isn't best and the video isn't best, but what he has to say is, is truly powerful, what's happening there. And you'll hear him refer to a family that was living in a median, which is a, a place in between the highway, that they were lost and didn't have a place to stay, and then Someone came and grabbed a hold of him and took him to the apartment complex. You also hear him refer to a lady who tells the story of her being rescued and how she was praying and asking for help. And then you'll hear him refer to in what has happened as a result of this work in her bill where we're seeing those that were displaced from all over Iraq coming to her bill. We see Kurds and Iraqis and and some Muslims who even have been rescued and some have come to Christ. So this is a report. I encourage you to listen intently and see what God is doing and let's rejoice. This is Pastor Malat from Iraq. You know, we've done a lot of things in Iraq, but nothing like the project of housing. Uh, Because what we have seen through this project is life-changing. And not only, you know, as we secured, you know, apartments, it's not this project is about apartment, no, but it's like about, you know, engaging in their life and seeing these people are transforming into his likeness. So that was like the heart of this project. And that was like we are really uh, willing and enjoying, you know, to do this project. When we, when we try to secure their life, this is a Matthew 25. When you try to be a practical in your faith, and you're not kind of like, not only like he said, I mean, I'm going to pray for you, uh, Jesus loves you, but no, here, like in a practical way, we saved them, literally, some of the, the families, we've saved their lives, and we were, because like of the Grace Community Church, we were able, you know, to provide houses for them, and uh, that was like kind of like a great movement and great uh, uh, change in their lives, but at the same time, uh, as I just, you know, we're sharing with you, you know, about how the family are started, you know, now open up in our Bible studies. As we started like these Bible studies, uh, the family is just like they starting you know, to open up and to share their hearts, to share their, their struggles. And now because of the Bible studies, now we are kind of like close and closer to these families. And now we are able to do more in their spiritual life and to help them even to grow in Christ. Because food will finish, apart, you know, the rent will, will be finished one day, and everything material will be given to them will be finished. But you know, nothing gonna last like you know our faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what we that's what we are trying to do. 
through this project and that's how we uh, could see uh, how that project is just like uh, changed like the life of so many people as uh, as uh, one of the uh, families i was uh, received a, a phone call on the day of good friday and i just like i was told there is a family uh had been kicked out from their apartment uh, three days ago and they, the the man could find nothing except you know the median so he he stayed with his family his wife and two sons in the median for three nights and and uh, i was told i was told that you know the family just like they're sitting there and nobody helped them in anything so we told them you know we need to do something for this family and then because like we had no apartment ready and uh, we we just like we took them so we sent somebody and we took them to the uh uh, to the hotel as we were taking them to the hotel we used to let them stay like a few days until we, we we prepare an apartment for them they could not believe themselves you know tonight they're gonna sleep uh, on a bed tonight there is a pillow under their heads uh, tonight there's some, something is going to cover them as they were sleeping and we know as a man uh, what does that like you know if you have a family if you have a wife and kids and your wife is exposed and your 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 sons are just playing the streets it's very dangerous and if you're a woman you know what does that like if you just like uh, sleeping in the media and everybody have a look on you and that was kind of like something for them was very very kind of like touching and uh, it happened that after after we moved them to the one of the apartments she uh, the, the the woman joined me in my in bible study and she told me malad do you know my story i told her yes i know she said no you don't i told her like i told her, like tell me what's your story she said in three days after we were kicked out from the apartment i started to pray and to cry out to the lord to save us and to do something and for three days i just i gave up and i told him god uh, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm upset with you because you're not doing anything. You're not watching and you're not listening. And she she said, just I finished. That man crossed the road and he said, why are you sitting here? Come with me. We're going to take you to the hotel. And she said, she said, for three days, I could not raise my head up and tell God I'm sorry. Hmm. And she she was like in that Bible study. She joined in the Bible that Bible study, and now her husband actually used to be alcoholic. She so used to be like addicted to alcohol and to spend a lot of his money on alcohol. And because they saw how God intervened in their lives, their life was totally changed. And he 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 left alcohol, and now they are being in our church, a living testimony. To the other people, and they were sharing their faith uh, with these people, like how God will intervene in their life, and and how God saved them, and what the church did for them, providing an apartment, and they don't really care now about the rent for six months, like anything else. So this kind of thing, you know, what what, what do we need to see more than that? Um, it's it's um, it's unbelievable. We are so happy. We're so glad, and we're so honored, you know, to work with you and the Grace Community Church. Uh, what you have done in our church, you just like you made, you created a big problem in our church. You just like we have no more space to people in our church. <laughs> so, so you, you need to solve it now. <laughs> but thank you so much. 
Uh, really, thank you so much, and God bless you all and for that. And uh, pray for us as uh, we're growing in Christ, and bless you. And praise God, huh? So what happens when uh, we link arms together and we serve together and um, we, we serve our God? I, I've often thought of this picture in my time alone thinking about the work there. Imagine that family that was in the median strip crying out to God, the wife crying out to God and upset with God, like, God, where are you? And after three days, a guy across the street sees them and says, come with me. We have an apartment for you. But imagine if she could. If she were to take a globe as she began to pray and began to spin it, just spin this globe, and then to decide and pick out a place on planet Earth where she thought help would come from, and as she spun this globe around, it landed on Goshen, Indiana. What do you think the odds of that are? The odds are good when a family and a group of people love Jesus, and they're compelled by the Spirit to listen, and they read His Word, and and they act, and... So we praise God. We praise God that they have a big problem. Uh, They have so many people that they're ministering to and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. We can praise the Lord for that. Today, as we continue this uh, series of messages on familyhood, two weeks ago, I I came to you and shared the responsibility of a husband. And hopefully, if you didn't hear that message, you go back and listen to it. And we saw the great responsibility it is for us as husbands to prepare our wives for eternity that literally that's our goal in mind, is to present them before the Bema seat and say, you are a radiant bride, you are unblemished bride, you are an unwrinkled bride. And our goal is to lead them in such a way when they stand before God one day, they hear these words, well done. And you saw the incredible burden it is for a husband to do that. And, and we walked through that and the challenge there was for husbands. And And so today, we see the glove to the hand and how God has designed the husband and wife to work together so that they, in turn, can accomplish his will for their lives. And so the primary responsibility of a wife is helping your husband in his pursuit of God to lead your marriage. And so as you step into this new together-as-one covenant, you now help your husband lead you and your family to become the family that God intended it to be. So that in turn, when you stand before Christ, you haven't hindered him in doing so. Incredible responsibility. Both are equally impossible without the Holy Spirit. Both carry incredible responsibility. Both, in fact, are very difficult, but very doable with the Holy Spirit. God has intended and designed the husband to be a team that gels together, working together, tugging together to accomplish his work. So in doing so, the primary responsibility of a wife, we see from Scripture, is to follow her husband. To, to as Scripture says, to, to submit to her husband as he submits to God. Both equally are important. Both are required to submit And so the word submit takes on all kinds of meanings in our world. And today I'm going to try to unpack that. But before I do that, I want to give you a picture of what I I would say, this is what it isn't supposed to look like. And I've asked Mike, Pastor Mike, to join me. This is his third journey on this today. So we've gotten pretty good at this. For the sake of this illustration, I'm his papa. I'm 53 and he's my son at 45. You had me when you were like 10. (laughs) But picture, most of you have been in a grocery store or a supermarket 
and you've been in a supermarket and you've seen that child that doesn't want to follow his parent. Maybe you've been that kid. And so you take him through the supermarket and, they, and he's getting better at it. Anyhow, uh, but when they don't want to follow you, what does it look like? Have you seen it? Have you seen, have you seen this? They just sit down, come on. Follow me. You've seen it and I've seen it. So what normally happens in that moment? So not to make a scene, what do we normally do? We either want to make a scene, so we tell them, you listen to me. You follow me. And we see that parent and we think, oh. Or what do we do? We appease them because they've learned to manipulate and get their control. And we throw them, look, we throw them a goodie. And what do they do? And then what do they do? They follow. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. That was really weird. (laughs) But for sake of illustration, take that picture and bring it into your marriage. The husband is to lead his wife. The husband is to lead his family. The wife is to come alongside, help, give input, and follow his lead. When it doesn't take place like that, that's what we see. Now, let me ask you a question. How often do you think that child, if you've been that child, how often do you think that child really looks around and realizes that everyone else in that room sees that there's something wrong with that picture, but he is the only one that doesn't recognize it? And so what he's learned to do is to get his way. And what he's done has he's tried to manipulate and control and steer this direction in a different way. But what often happens? You might throw them some candy. Let me ask you, though. You give it to them to be quiet. But what happens when you get home? You address the situation. Because in public, you don't want to make a scene But when you get home, you're going to address this situation and say, please, you need to follow me. Scripture is implicit. Listen to me. Please listen to me today. From the bottom of my heart, this isn't the easiest message for a husband to speak regarding the role of a wife. But God has called me as your shepherd to give this message. And let me begin by saying this. This model that God has demonstrated for the wife to follow is perfect. Is a perfect model. Any other model that you are trying to do in your marriage is imperfect and sinful. So my heart today is this. To come to you in a humble way and say, this is God's intent for a marriage for a husband to present his bride in such a way so that she hears well done and for the wife to come alongside and join in that journey and allow him to lead so that she hears well done. In order for that to happen, we need to follow our husbands. So grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And if you need a Bible, please hold your hand up. I encourage you to 
don't exit out during this message. Don't check out mentally. Please, hear the whole breath of this message because it's so very, very, very important. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will put one in your hand. And we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And when you find that, stand with me and we'll read it together. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Let's read this out loud together. Ready, read. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God. Sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. You may have a seat. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful passage. One that often gets glossed over and not opened up. But here's what I know to be true from the context of this passage. Let's put it in the context. Your behavior will win your husband over. Did you hear me? Your behavior will win your husband over. Not your words, but your behavior And if you see in the context here, here we have a believing wife and an unbelieving husband. And the mere fact that she wants to see her husband come to Christ, the way the text says in order to see him won over is by you submitting to his leadership. I'm going to unpack what submission is. But hear me out. It's your behavior that will win your husband over. So in the broad stroke of his leading, if you want to win your husband over in the direction that you think God is calling you, if you want to win him over, it's your willingness to follow him now so that he can hear from God and lead you. It's your behavior, not your resistance to his leadership, not not you holding out but your behavior to humbly submit and follow him. This behavior sets it all into motion, what's listed here. This does not mean that you are a lesser value than your husband. By the way, ladies, it does not mean that you leave your brain or your will or your will at the wedding altar. It's not the inability to think for yourself. It does not mean avoiding every effort to change your husband. The whole point of the passage is winning your husband over. There is a change that takes place. But it's your behavior. It's your humble willingness to submit and follow his leadership. Because ultimately, he's doing the same thing. He's hearing from God. He must humbly submit to God and follow God. And you, in turn, humbly submit and follow him. Your submissive heart will do more to change him than anything else. Please, hear me, ladies, on this. Please, From 
as tenderhearted as I can be about this, nothing more will influence your man than your submissive, humble heart. Let me bring it home to my home, to my house. My wife is a very strong warrior for Jesus Christ. When I look at Hebrews chapter, or 1 Peter chapter 3, she has a description of, of a quiet, gentle spirit. But listen to me. She is a fierce warrior for God. It has nothing to do with her ability or inabilities. It has everything to, with her being willing to submit to God ultimately. Because ultimately, when you submit to your husband, you're submitting to God. It doesn't mean that she's less than me when she follows me. Bring it home. Never once can I think in our marriage, never once in our marriage, has Anne pushed the point or and said, you know what, we need to do this. Never once in our marriage has she kind of tugged me along and resisted. Never once has she got in my face whenever she's done that. And and there's been very few times, never once in my life, when she has chosen to resist me, have I said, whoa, okay, let's do that. No, the very opposite is true. Because if she comes after me in pride, if she comes after me that I am right and you need to follow, every part of me screams, no. But if my wife, and she does, if she sees the direction we're going, not even a sinful direction, but she believes after praying and processing that we should go in a different direction or make a different decision. You know what she does? She'll say something like this to me. She said, Jim, now this is what I believe God told me. And my wife's a very strong lover of Jesus Christ. She's, she's not a pushover. She'll say, Jim, the reason I will follow you is because I'm chosen to follow God. And the word of God says, I need to follow your lead. But I want you to know, Jim, that I will continue praying about this. And I'm going to ask you to continue to pray about this. Let me tell you, when I leave a conversation with my wife, first scenario, she's pushing. She's telling me I have the right. And she's tugging away and trying to take it her way. If I look at that Anne and I look at this Anne, you know what happens? Her behavior changes the way I process my leadership. And I can't tell you how many times. Many times, because there have been times I've acted in pride. There have been times that I've just done it because, hey, I want to be right. I can't tell you how many times when I've, when I've left that conversation, I begin to picture her just humbly and gently, but strongly and firmly saying, Jim, I want you to pray about this, Jim, and I'm going to pray about this too. I'm driving down the road, and the Spirit of God falls over me, and there's this brokenness, like, she's right. And I turn back and I go back and I say, you know what, honey, you're right. That is the direction. Let's go. But never once when I say that does she say, I told you so. Never once. Now, there are probably times because she's very human that she wants to, but she doesn't. I can't tell you how many times. The other side of me, I'm driving down the road. And the Spirit of God convicts me. She'll say, Jim, I know sooner or later, because you follow God, you're going to listen to him. So I'm driving down the road. The Spirit of God says, she's right, she's right, she's right. And I say, stink. (laughs) But you know what I do? If I'm listening to God, I go back and I say, you know what, baby? When I took in your input, 
I didn't evaluate it and carry it and listen. And you're right. It's this picture of her behavior changing me. It's not her against me. It's not her saying, I'm right. It's not her coming after in a prideful way. In fact, ladies, if you do, that is sin. Even if you believe you are right, the word of God is implicit. Follow your man. And when you follow your man, you follow your God. And when you submit to your husband, you're submitting to your God. And when you choose not to submit to your husband, then you've chosen not to submit to God. So what do we have? We have relationships that are at tension. Head, butting heads. Because the role of the husband is to lead and the wife is budding his leadership. The primary goal of this passage is to see a profound change in an unbelieving man. Think about that. And the way it happens, he looks and says, I can't believe the way you graciously and humbly follow me. Wow, what is up with you? I had a lady come up to me who has an unbelieving husband after the first service. Walked up on the stage back over here, and she said, Pastor Jim, thank you. She says, it's a daily struggle for me. But if the word of God says this is what's true, she says, I needed that reminder today. So what does biblical submission look like? Well, look at verse 4 first. Look at the spirit of this woman. Verse 4, rather... It should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of how much worth in God's sight. Now, I don't know if you ever gloss over that, ladies, but that's important. It says literally, this giant worth or this great worth comes about, it tips the scales when you have this quiet, gentle spirit that says, honey, I'm going to follow you, but I want you to know that I'm going to be listening to God and I'm going to be praying for you that you listen to God too. And the reason I'm following you right now is because you're not leading me to sin. You're just leading me in a direction that I thought God wanted us to go here. But I choose to follow you because I choose to follow God. It's that gentle spirit. And it says, when you operate that way, ladies, it tips the scales of worth. It says, you are of great worth to God. Let me tell you, when you stand before God one day, our role, you heard me say it two weeks ago, is to prepare you to be presented before Jesus Christ to hear these words well done. And if you don't let us lead you, how will you ever hear those words? A gentle, quiet spirit. So what does biblical submission look like? By submitting... You are respectfully submitting to God. By the way, your husband will make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. They will not always deserve the right. I don't deserve the right for my wife to be the leader in her eyes. But God always deserves your obedience. Did you hear me? Please, please hear that. They might not deserve it. And you might be bringing up everything from the past and the present. And they might have failed many times, but listen to me. They might not deserve it, but God deserves your obedience. 
That's what this passage is saying. When you choose not to submit to your husband, you are ultimately not submitting to God. And you are ultimately telling God, I refuse to follow you. Let me ask you, how does that go? How's that been working out in your marriage? When you choose not to listen to God, are you gaining any ground? Or is it just this budding of heads? Maybe the primary reason is because you're not acting in obedience to God. Another description of submission. You should not submit to your husband if they're asking you to sin. So if he's asking you to do something that's sinful, you don't have to. To submit to him. Because in Acts 5.29, we saw two weeks ago that if the government or people or leaders tell you to do something that's against God's word, then you should obey God and not obey man. But if he's leading you in a path that you disagree with, but it's not sinful, then listen. The word of God says we're supposed, or women are supposed, wives are supposed to follow their husbands. The primary reason most refuse to submit is because of sin. Often you think you're more right than he is. And if you let that be the reason you don't follow, listen to me, ladies, it's called sin. Another description of submission. You are designed to help your husbands, and you can accomplish so much more together. Please, give your husband the benefit of your insight, wisdom, and perspective. And give him the freedom to lead in the direction God is leading him to lead. The moment you begin to try to take the lead in the family is the moment, hear me please, you rob him of the calling that God has placed on his life to prepare you for eternity and to lead your family and home. You rob him. You usurp him of that authority. Another thing I would say about submission. There is no better place for your marriage and personal journey than the center of God's will. We need to trust God. By the way, he knows what he is doing. God didn't design a plan that said, you know what, this won't be good in 2015. This is only good in 50 A.D. and 100 A.D. This is the blueprint for marriage. Please hear me as tenderly as I can say this. Please, as graciously as I can say this. Every other voice that tells you to do something, if it's a friend, if it's a colleague, if it's a family member, if it's the world that tells you you do not have to follow your husband. Listen to me. It's anti-God and it is sin. Yet our world tells us that. When you begin to struggle, consider Jesus and his words. I mean, think about it. You're not the only one. We have to submit to God. And as we submit to God, we follow him. And as you submit to us and follow us, you follow him. Even Jesus himself. Now imagine being a perfect God incarnate in flesh, coming down on earth and walking and thinking, listen, he knows everything. He's perfect in every way. There's no sin in him. And yet in John 6, 38, it says, 
not, I will not do my will, but your will, God. Even the God of the universe submitted to his Father God. If Jesus did it and demonstrated it, then we should too. So I would ask this question today, be quite frank. Are you pulling with and for your husband or against your husband? Are you pulling for him or against him? I've asked Dave and Jamie to join me on an illustration here just to kind of give a visual in your mind. I want you to picture this question because I believe visually when you see something, it'll help your conscience to remember it. And so my hope is that there's some imprint in your mind. What picture is your marriage right now? Dave, I'm going to ask you to grab a hold of this end and begin pulling that way. And Jamie, I want you to turn and face that way, Dave, like you're going that way. And Jamie, jump on and face him. And you're pulling with him. And that's the direction you're going. Now, you're leading, Dave. Now, pull. Both of you together. Come on, pull. Can you see the picture? All right, come on back here. Let's do it again. Look at the picture here. They both go ahead and grab a hold and pull in the same direction. Help him out, Jamie. Come on, give him a pull. See, see it? All right, that's good. Now, picture this. Is your marriage, both of you tugging together? Going in the same, like, what she offered was just as valuable as what Dave offered. It wasn't lesser value. Now, Jamie, you grab a hold of this. Now, you pull in your direction. Dave, you pull in your direction. Now, let me ask you, is this a picture of your marriage? (laughs) Thanks, guys. I want to give some context to this by giving a woman's perspective on submission. I want you to listen to this lady speaking to this. She said this, For me, submission is one of those things that is far more easily identified by its absence rather than its presence. I know that I'm struggling with it when I am critical, impatient, defiant, and snarky towards my husband. When I refuse to cooperate and am unresponsive to his input, when I rush in and take control, when I fail to provide space to allow my husband the opportunity to be a man and provide godly oversight for our family. In other words, it's not readily apparent to me when I am submitting, but it's painfully obvious to me when I am not. I sense that I am disrespecting and disregarding my husband, taking control and pulling against him rather than for and with him. Let me just ask you a real personal question. Just just let the Holy Spirit answer this. I want you to ask yourself, is my marriage a picture of Jamie and Dave pulling together? And I'm giving everything I got to help my husband win and us win. I am giving it all. I am following him because I believe he's following God. And in doing so, I'm being obedient to God. And in doing so, I am walking in obedience and now am of great worth to God. Or is it you are tugging against him? No, I'm getting my way. You listen to me. Listen to me. What is the picture? Now ask the Holy Spirit to tell you which picture is it. And by the way, are you like the little boy in the grocery store? 
that he's the only one in the room that doesn't realize that he's tugging against and everybody else can see it? It's clear from Scripture that it's challenging. You know, because we're human beings and we have this flesh nature that wants to say, no, I want to take the lead. We as husbands bear huge responsibility too to prepare you to stand before God as a radiant bride. And that is heavy on our hearts and shoulders. Even this week I was thinking, I'm reflecting back after 27 years of my wife following me. I pray, oh Lord, please God. I pray that I'm doing the job that you've called me to do. And even now, standing here today, I ask this question. Am I leading Anne in the direction that God wants us to go? I feel a heavy burden because of that. It breaks our hearts. When that doesn't happen, even when I see that. But even more so, it breaks the heart of our God. When you refuse to follow, you refuse to follow God. Look at verse 5 and 6 of chapter 3. Look at the picture here as he continues to unpack this whole passage on a wife following her husband. Verse 5 says, For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like who? Who's the lady's name? Sarah, who obeyed who? Abraham, and called him her Lord. You are her daughter's If you do what is what? Right? And do not give way to what? By the way, both of our roles are equally impossible in our own ability. We both must rely on the Holy Spirit. It's impossible for us to love you like Christ loved the church without the Holy Spirit's work. It's impossible for you to follow us without the Holy Spirit's work. It's impossible for us to do that unless we submit ourselves to God and graciously and humbly listen to him. By the way, following your husband doesn't make you weak. You know, sometimes they go, oh, it makes me weak and makes him stronger. By the way, who's, who's the woman that's referred to? What's her name? Sarah. Now, let, let, me, let me just ask you a question. So, those of you who are Bible students and who know the Old Testament, when you look at Sarah in the Old Testament, has there ever been a time you thought, well, she's a weak lady? Think, let me ask you, how many of you ladies could give birth at 100 years old? Seriously. It's impossible to give birth at 100 years old. Like, but she, she was there. So she was, she was she, there's no doubt she was vigorous. There was no doubt that she was strong. There's no doubt that she could hold her own with, with Abraham. There was no doubt that she had the ability, if she wanted to, to tug her way, to get her way, to do her thing and not follow. But it says she followed her husband. You look at her life all through the Old Testament. She followed him. Abraham said, we're going to go there. Okay, let's go. She followed. She supported. And you know what she did? She tugged with him, with him, because together you're stronger than you are tugging against each other. So what happens, the battle not to follow God began a long time ago. You know where it began? Genesis chapter 3. What happened? You had a passive husband who wouldn't lead. And even then, what the woman do? I'm taking the lead. And what happened? She took the lead, and they fell in the garden. And so from Genesis chapter 3 to this day, there is this innate sin nature in us that says, 
I will not follow. I will not follow. And the same thing happened to Eve because she didn't follow her man. She ultimately didn't follow God and sinned. A gentle, quiet spirit that smiles and flexes their muscles as they smile knows that because God wants us to win, knows that there will be a day. There will be a day. There will be a day that God will win. And ultimately, this relationship will end up where it's supposed to be. Not by me getting it there, but by my husband submitting to God and getting it there. Speak of my wife, I can tell you many times, there's no doubt in my mind, she pulls away from conversations with me when maybe we're at a different place, and I think this, and she thinks that, that she pulls away and she just grins because she starts praying. <laughs> Let me tell you, it takes a strong woman to do that. It takes a strong woman to go to God in prayer instead of tugging the other direction. Listen to me, ladies. That's the picture of a godly woman. That's the picture that Peter is referring to here. When you follow God, you follow your husband. I think the greatest travesty would be as wives might be when you stand before God and you hear him say this to you at the Bema seat, have you done anything to hinder your husband from doing everything I've called him to do to lead this family? I think it would be the greatest travesty to have you stand there as you've been presented and God says, have you done anything to hinder your husband from being the marriage, the family that I've called him to lead you to? Have you hindered that? Listen, when you choose not to follow, you are hindering the direction that God has intended your husband to lead. Sometimes his leading might push you into areas that help you become the woman who fully trusts in God. Because ultimately, who are you trusting in? If you think that you're supposed to go in a different direction, ultimately you're giving up your rights and control and you're saying, God, I'm going to have to trust you on this one. If this is your plan, if this is how you've perfectly set it up, God, I must trust you. I can't see it right now, but ultimately, God, I trust you that you know what you're doing Ultimately, it places our trust in God instead of us trying to make it happen. You see, we must sometimes lead them to really challenging places. One of my goals is this. I would never want my wife to stand before God and for him to say, boy, I can't believe Jim didn't lead you there. I, I, I spoke to him and I asked him to do this. And I can't believe that, that you didn't take that step of risk and danger for the Lord. My hope is this, is somehow as I lead my family and I listen to God, I take her input and we tug together that both of us are advancing the kingdom together and we are taking light to darkness together and that we go to places that, 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 that she would maybe not even go on her own, but we knew that we could be stronger together in doing it. We are called to lead our wives, not to comfort and safety, but to take 
light to darkness and make disciples. Look at verse 6. Here's why most wives won't submit. Most wives won't submit because of fear. Look at verse 6. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters. Listen to me. This is very important. You are her daughters. Only then. If you do what is right and you do not give way to what? Fear is the primary reason a wife won't follow her husband. Because here's how it unpacks. You feel like if you give in this area, then he will win again. And so you bring up all his past because love's not supposed to keep any records of wrongs, but you keep bringing them up, you keep bringing them up, you keep bringing them up. And so you think, well, if I give in again, then that means he wins. And if he wins, I don't win. Listen, are you in it so that you win? Are you in it so that the, the you is plural? Are you in it to please God and submit to God? Listen, if you are afraid that if you give an inch that somehow he wins, if you're fearful, if you keep, don't keep pulling this way, that somehow it's not going to end up where God wants it, then ultimately you're not trusting God. Another way fear impacts in relationships. You feel like if you follow that you will not get your own way. And so you hold your ground. I will not move on this one. And so what happens? Tension. No forward progress in your marriage. By the way, submission is free. It's not coerced by fear. The Christian woman is a free woman, not a woman acting in fear. Like the reason you, you, you follow your husband or submit to him is not out of fear or not, not because you have to. It's because there's freedom. Like, there's freedom for, for Anne to follow me. Because in doing so, she's following God. Like, that should be a joy to follow God. Often fear unpacks this way. You feel like following causes you to release control and forget that ultimately God is in control. See, somehow, by the way, Men struggle with fear too, but in, in the context of this message, you feel like if you give up this control, that it won't work out the way that you believe it should work out, and so you are holding on, and ultimately, you don't trust God. You refuse to give control over to God and the model that he has set up in the home as husband leads, wife follows. Some find other ways to get their way. And so here's what happens in marriages. Here's what happens, quite frankly. If you can't get your way, what do you do? You find ways to control or manipulate. And so you withhold intimacy from him. Because you know, the word of God, by the way, says in Corinthians that you shouldn't withhold it from him when he asks for it. Or vice versa, the same for the husband, for the wife. And so you withhold intimacy. You know, if, 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 you, can, if, if, if you throw that out there in front of him, He'll do whatever you want. And so you withhold it with intimacy from him to get your way. By the way, that is sinful. Or you go through a mood swing. And by the way, he knows it as soon as he walks in the door. It's not going to be a good night. (laughs) Or as soon as an issue is brought up, there's your face. Listen to me, please, ladies. That is sin. It's sin. It's not obeying God. 
And if you want to be of great worth to God, then we need to listen to God. Or you'll go this route. I am right, and it's my right to be right. And so you hold your ground. Please, this is really serious, serious information here. Many wives refuse to follow because of pride. Plain and simple, that's what it is. Humility is the key to a healthy marriage. Arguments escalate when we want to be right more than we want to be like Christ. It's so easy to get blinded by this too in the heat of disagreements. And here's what happens in marriages. Soon, all we want is to win even if the victory involves sin. James chapter four and verse six gives reference to this. Turn to James chapter four. One book back, James chapter four and verse six. Look at James chapter four and verse six. It says this, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the what? Proud, but gives and shows grace and favor to the what? Humble. Then he says, submit yourselves then to who? God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Here's what this means in marriages. Please hear me because I believe this is the primary reason that there's so many miserable marriages. This is the primary reason why so many husbands and wives are butting heads. It's because of pride. God actively fights against the proud person. Have you ever thought that as you pridefully want to get your way? The pride required to win your argument and defeat your husband provides you with a brand new opponent, God himself. Let me ask you, how's that one working out for you? Seriously, I'm going to get my way. I'm going to tug my way. I'm going to pull my way. I'm going, to get, I'm going to be right because I have the right to be right. And on the other end, God himself is saying, are you kidding me? 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 It says that he literally comes in and not fights for your marriage, but fights against your marriage. I believe with all my heart, that's the reason why so many marriages are so miserable. I would also say this. If you find yourself in a place in your marriage where it's been the same over and over and over and over and over for five weeks, for 10 weeks, for six months, for eight months, for 10 months, for a year, for two years, and there doesn't seem to be resolution, then you gotta ask the question, is God fighting for you or against you? And then you gotta peel that off and say, why is God fighting against us? Is there pride in this marriage that says, I have the right to be right? Until we submit to God by submitting to our husbands, who are submitting to God, you will not see resolution in your marriage. Listen to me, please. The word of God is asking you to humbly submit to God. And when you 
two, husband and wife. He opens the gates of heaven with favor. He opens the gates of heaven with blessing. He opens the gates of heaven with grace. And the very thing that you have been wanting might be part of the package of grace, but you will never see it happen if you continue to not follow your husband's. Because the God of the universe is opposing you. Are you willing, is the question you need to ask, to give up the grace of God and take on his opposition? That's what's up for grabs. If we both obey the spirit of God and listen to him, then his power will be so obvious in our marriage. When we surrender our rights to lead and we surrender our rights to follow and we let God be right, it brings a miraculous change that this scripture says that the behavior of the woman won her husband over. It wasn't her saying, you need to do this. It was her behavior that said, I will follow you because God tells me to follow you. That's the behavior that will bring victory and breakthrough in your marriage. Please hear me today. There's some of you that have let this issue of pride stand against the living God. Listen to me. Don't be deceived anymore. Please Too much is at stake. The sake and the glory of the gospel to be seen in our world in marriages is up for grabs. We need more than ever in our world marriages that let Christ working for us instead of against us. So flip this scenario. Flip it. God working for you. Because you humbly give up your right to be right. Now, not only is God with us, but he's in us. So every struggle, battle, encounter, uncertainty, anxious thought that wants to cripple and paralyze you today cannot stand against the unstoppable, unbeatable, immovable God that fights for you instead of against you. You see, many of you have spent months longing for change to happen. It hasn't. Maybe you need to pull away and ask this tough question. Is my pride and lack of obedience putting a block to new health in my marriage? A Christ-centered marriage is counter-cultural, but it's so very worth it because it's of great worth to God. Biblical submission is not your native language. It's not my native language. It goes against everything that my flesh cries out with. It makes us feel like we're losing. You will not find many articles that say, hey, have a a marriage that's full of humility. Here's how to follow your husband. How many reads do you find on the internet saying, follow your husband, submit 
to your husbands as if you're submitting to God. It goes against everything the world is saying. And it's the very reason we're seeing marriages in such total disarray and so incredibly miserable because couples won't submit to God and tenderly follow him because of pride. Yet there's nothing more beautiful than to watch a husband gently lead his wife and his wife humbly follow and then receive the blessing of God, the favor of God. The enemy is sly. Listen to me, please. And you might be in bad patterns in your marriage. And he knows it, and he's going to continue to feed it. Listen to me. The reason that marriage is so hard is because it's opposed. Satan doesn't want to see the the glory of the gospel being revealed in marriages. He wants just the opposite. Listen to me. If you don't follow God, you are allowing Satan to win. Prideful people and marriages are defensive. They're angry. They're blame shifting and focus on self. They consistently see that the problem lies not with them, but with everyone else. The gospel is not the focus, nor it's the goal. Humble people are broken over their pride and more concerned with honoring God than getting their way. So there we have it. Millions of marriages that are miserable because they want To be right. Imagine though, if you can, this would just be a beautiful scene this afternoon. And this has been my prayer. This has been my prayer this week. That when we leave, this has been my prayer. That when when marriages go home, this has been my prayer. And I've been praying, God. And before this service, I took 10 minutes. Lord, please, God, may this happen. Imagine the change in your husband's countenance when you go to him this afternoon and say, I delight for you to take the initiative in leading our family. I delight for you. I am so grateful when you take responsibility for the things and lead with love. And then you close by saying this, I will follow you anywhere as you follow God. You want to see breakthrough in your marriage. You want to see it happen. That's the spirit of a gentle, quiet, strong warrior chick for God. Oh, Lord, help us today. Oh, God, break down the barriers and the walls of pride. Oh, God, please. Our world needs to see marriages that are Christ-centered, marriages that, that follow hard after you, where husbands gently lead and submit to God, and wives submit to their husbands and follow. Oh, God, may that be the picture of Grace Community Church. And may that happen, God, today. Please, God. God, we recognize that we can't do it on our own. It can only happen through the work of the Holy Spirit. So I pray, God, that we would humbly and graciously surrender our rights to be right and follow you. I ask this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen and amen. See you next week. God bless you.